Hello, everybody. Week two of Big Ten Hoops is in the books. Um, this is Steve here with everybody's best friend, Brett. Uh, Brett, how are you feeling after a uh, turkey-filled Thanksgiving week slash weekend with a lot of Big Ten basketball? I'm feeling good. On, on To your point about turkey-filled, I've realized that like as I get older – Turkey takes up a significantly less, a significantly smaller portion of my of my Thanksgiving meal, um, and yeah, I don't know, but uh, it was it was a crazy good week for for the Big Ten uh, across the board, um, as as I'm sure we're gonna talk about, but uh, yeah, feeling feeling very impressed, I'd say would be would be the word I would I would describe I would use to describe my feeling so far about the Big Ten. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about all that there. Um, as, as usual for this time of year, there's a lot going on in the sports world right now. We're going to keep it to Big Ten basketball um, as much as uh, both of us would like to talk about the goings on in football, <laughs> the NBA or other sports. But we're going to keep it to basketball here. We're, we'll talk about the week that was lots of Big Ten teams um, and multi-team events throughout the country. Um, and then a big week heading into next week, both with the ACC Big Ten Challenge kicking off and and some conference conference play as well. So a lot to get into. Let's start out West. So I, I think the the team that gets the the gold star for the team of the week this week are the point are the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, a three and O trip to Portland where they took down West Virginia, Gonzaga, and Duke. You know we we could look at each of these one on one and kind of talk about each of them differently. You know I know I think. People's expectations around Gonzaga may have been tempered this year, um, but I mean, yeah, I don't think we saw Purdue as like a true conference title contender heading into this year. But all of a sudden, you look up, I mean, Zach Eadie's playing 30 minutes a game, averaging 21 and 12, 22 and 12, and three blocks a game to go along with that, um, dominating on increased playing time. And, and they're going to look up and be a top 10 team, really, as, as we head into December here. Brett, what are your thoughts on Purdue? If anything, I think you didn't even quite do them justice by saying take down uh, those three teams. I mean, they, they just blew out Gonzaga and Duke back to back. And actually, I will say, as an aside, um, I think that what the PK tournaments did by having a, a day in between uh, the semifinal and final games, good idea overall. I mean, I think we saw a lot of really, really dead looking teams kind of at the end of some of these bigger MTEs. So kudos to them for doing that. But I mean, man, I, what, what can you say about, about Purdue that, that isn't, you know, in, extremely laudatory. Um, they are just a really firing on all cylinders kind of across the board, offensively, defensively, offensive, offense, their top five in the country uh, per Ken Palm and adjusted offensive efficiency. And they're a top 30 unit in defense. And I know we were kind of talking about that coming into the season, losing a guy like Jaden Ivy, who, who was so explosive and athletic, but this just goes to show, you know, Matt Painter's got these guys coached up and playing really well. Um, and I, I've been impressed. Like, and like you said, Edie, um, it has just has been killing it. He's super efficient from the field. He's a monster on defense. And like you said, he's, he's holding up very well in these extended minutes for him. But I also want to shout out this guy, you know, the, 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 kind of the guy that's making the the engine work so far, so to speak, Braden Smith, true freshman point guard, you know, under recruited as, as many, as many broadcasts will remind us throughout the season. He's killing it right now. He's shooting 50%, 50% from three, uh, you know, the he's three assists a game. He's really responsible for, for 
running the show there and and he has performed admirably for for a true freshman um and they're yeah just very balanced going across the board um besides Edie obviously and so I I think all signs out, out of West Lafayette are incredibly impressive so far yeah so you know we'll We'll see as as this team gets into conference play. We'll see if this was more of an anomaly or um, if 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 they really are for real um, out there in West Lafayette. But I mean, they definitely I think win the award for best week of any team in the conference by far. I think for the rest of the conference, um, th- there was a lot of up, but there was some down. Let's go even further out west to Maui and talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes, where um, they went two and zero. Lost their first game to San Diego State, which they're the the Aztecs are are looking like a you know second weekend of the tournament team, potentially a Final Four team this year. I think much to the surprise of everyone, but they respond and pick up two good wins um, against Cincinnati and and Texas Tech. Um, I, I think this was a good trip for Ohio State. Um, you know, hard fought loss to San Diego State, but I, I guess how how. How should folks in Columbus be feeling heading into the ACC challenge? Yeah, I think when when we had talked about it uh, last week in, in the kind of lead up into their their, ga- their games in Maui, I think we had basically said that one and two would be would be good. Oh, and three obviously unacceptable, but you know one and two would be would be a positive sign for for a really young team that's still looking to gel. And I, I mean, you, you got to be really happy coming coming home from Maui with two wins, um, you know, a Cincinnati t- over a Cincinnati team that, you know, not, maybe not as good as in years past, but still, still a name brand. And then that win over Texas tech. Um, although I think partly due in, in some regard to Texas tech, just not being able to play that no, that aggressive, no middle defense for three straight days. Uh, but I mean, Ohio state executed when they should, they, 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 uh, shot very well in that game. And I think, yeah, they were 40% from three, uh, 60% from two. Um, re- only turned the ball over 10 times against, again, a very aggressive Texas Tech defense. Um, I, I think you got to be really happy if you're if you're a Buckeye fan right now. Uh, Bryce Sensaba is is you know leading the team in scoring, shooting 46% from three. They're getting contribution. They got three guys averaging double figures. Um, and I you know I think I think it's really hard to see that trip uh, to Maui coming out as anything but a success. Even if you look at the loss where against a, 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 like you said, a very talented, very deep San Diego state team, they were in that game for, for basically the entire time. And uh, you know, that's, that's what you want to see at this point in the season out of, out of this Ohio state team. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the, the, the thing with Ohio state is you just, you, you don't know where their star power is going to come from this year, right? Like losing EJ Liddell, you know, last year, along with like Malachi Branham, you know, that that's a, that's a lot of scoring that they have to replace. And I, I think you kind of saw it in that third game when Justice Suing scored 33 points. You see that maybe he can step up and be that guy. You mentioned sense of ball. You know, I look at, at Justin Suing numbers this year. I mean, he's only shooting 14% from three. That, that'll go up as he gets re, re-acclimated, it, you know, and they're still trying to incorporate, you know, they've got three rotation players who are kind of transfers from other places. And so they're, they're trying to patch it together. I agree with you. I think it was a good result for them um, and some positive momentum. We're going to talk about this in a second, but they've got a, a tough test going to Cameron next week. So they needed, I think the momentum there to, uh, to at least have them in the right headspace going into that game. Now shifting East. So in Atlantis, 
the Wisconsin Badgers, wild week for them, right? They they beat Dayton in an absolute barn burner where it was first to 43 and Wisconsin won by one. Um, they, they, they then went, um, turned around and lost on a heartbreaking buzzer beater to, to Kansas, proving they can hang, you know, with the, the defending champs and, and then picked up a win against USC. So I think, you know, for Wisconsin, I know there was a lot of unknowns with them also, you know, trying to replace the star power of Johnny Davis, but it looks like their style of play is proving that they can hang with anybody. Um, and they picked up, you know, resume building wins. They, they, they're looking good in the non-conference here with a, with a, you know, some strong resume wins, but just also kind of looking the part, right? Yeah, I think if, if if you had told any Wisconsin fan heading into the battle for Atlantis that they'd come back with two wins, it really wouldn't have mattered against who. But they, I think I think your average fan would have been would have been thrilled. And I, you know, we're seeing that this team is really going to hang its hat on on its defensive effort. And I mean that that really looked the part. Um, teams were shooting unsustainably low against them from three, and and the game against USC kind of evened that out. But um, you know, they went down by after after maybe the ugliest basketball game I've ever seen. Uh, and that includes fifth grade basketball that I've coached in that, that Dayton game, but where they again executed down the stretch, forcing, I believe three shot clock violations in their last five or six possessions, uh, defensively, um, to, to be able to come back from 15 points down against, against a, a loaded Kansas team. And in a game that saw Tyler wall kind of come back to his, his more natural self, uh, actually making shots as after a couple tough games against Green Bay and Dayton. Uh, and then Chucky Hepburn got going again against USC. Um, and I think that the, the, if you hadn't been watching this team closely, uh, a name you're going to want to want to know as a big 10 fan is Connor Asijan. Um The, the f- true freshman getting a lot of minutes, closing games at times, he's shooting 54% from three right now. Good for top 50 in the country. And it's wild that that's only, only top 50. Uh, at this point, but you know, he's, he's a guy that can, can get a shot, get a shot off with just a little bit of room and is, is going to be what's needed uh, for this, for this team. If they want to be able to keep up offensively with some of these other teams, but this team's definitely battle tested. They've three, three wins within five points in three days um, make, makes, well, makes it known that they're, they're going to be hard to score on um, and they can somehow find a way to get enough points when it matters. So going, going back to, Portland now um, there were two big 10 teams that went out west into two different arms of that that film night invitational so talks a lot about Michigan State you know so far early on in our review of the season um, and and we know that they've been battle tested already right they, they got that great win over Kentucky suffered that close loss to Gonzaga um, beat Villanova you know there there's no shortage of I think resume worthy wins and, and believe it or not, there's, there's more coming, which we'll talk about in a second. There's more opportunities coming, which we'll talk about in a second. They, they go two and one out there, but it, it, it was a different, I think feeling two and one than uh, maybe some of the other teams that went two and one. So no shame in, in losing that first game to Alabama, Alabama looks for real, which again is a conversation for outside of this podcast. Um, they, they beat Oregon. Oregon's struggled out of the gate this year, but nonetheless, that's a win over a, a power five program that probably having some growing pains. But um, who knows if we're going to end up at the, at the end of the year. And, and then, hey, you know, in, in, a, in a wacky final game against Portland, almost blew a double digit lead, ended up beating Portland by one. 
Um, they, and, and that Portland team has, I think, made headlines throughout this, this tournament as well, which you know maybe is, is besides the point. But I think for Michigan State, they avoid any catastrophe. Um, but I don't know that this tournament really gained them as much when it comes to their resume that some of these other teams gained. But, you know, we, we know from what we've seen from them over these first two weeks that they're they're battle tested. You know, they can play with anyone. And, you, you know, a lot of these games that I think are going to play against some of these other Big Ten teams are just going to come down to crunch time execution, um, you know, and, and, and maybe one-on-one matchups, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think important context here also for, for their Portland trip is that they're playing without Malik Hall and Jaden Akins. Um, Malik Hall, I believe, has a stress fracture in his foot and is out for three weeks. Uh, and then I believe Akins is on a quicker timeline, but I think that's so that that puts a little bit into context. I don't, I don't think, you know, like you said, Alabama is still very tough team, very tough to beat. Um, might not have made a difference either way, but uh, being able to, to kind of rebound a day later and then two days later to win two close games is, is a good sign of at least that this team, the Spartans team is very resilient and, uh, and will be able to compete, you know, with whoever's, Whoever's on the floor, although I think uh, I don't think it's a, a stretch to say that they would really like getting Malik Malik Hall and, and Jaden Akins back when they when they can. But you know you're seeing you're seeing still a pretty efficiently run offense and and solid defense, and I think I think that's at least combined with the battle tested nature of this team uh, will will pay dividends uh, as we head into conference season. And and just a just a fun stat about this Michigan State team too, which I think is just shows why they're having a lot of early season season success. So you know they they play two point guards, right? Like they they basically play AJ Hogard and Tyson Walker, you know, at the same time. Right now, those two guys are are third and fourth in the Big Ten in assists. Hogard is averaging six point two assists per game, and Walker is averaging five. Um, and again, th- those guys, both of which had up and down seasons last year, kind of year one in Tom Izzo's system. We talk about roster continuity. We'll continue to talk about it throughout the earlier parts of the season here, really paying dividends for them early, especially in keeping them together through a lot of the adversity that you've mentioned that they're going through on the injury front now. Okay, a couple of quicker MTE performances that we wanted to call out. So I think number one, um, didn't, didn't think we'd be talking about Northwestern so much in this segment here, but um, you know th- they're they're five and one, um, and actually gave Auburn a, a pretty tough test in the final of the the Cancun Challenge. It wasn't the most rigorous, you know, event. They had to they only had to beat Liberty to get there, but <laughs> they played the second forty three to forty two Big Ten game of the week and, and came up just just short there. I mean, are we seeing a little bit of life from Northwestern, or is this just a wonky result at the middle of the season at the beginning of the season that, that we should ignore. I think it's hard to ignore it. Um, I think, I think we should be careful when, when, uh, when thinking about what it means in a larger context, because again, Liberty was the first top hundred Ken Palm team that Northwestern had played this year. uh, And by a significant margin, even if we expected Georgetown to be not a dumpster fire at this point, but I mean, I'm a big proponent of the theory that you you can only beat the people that they put in front of you to beat. And taking care of a Liberty team that runs some tricky offense, tricky offensive stuff, and 
plays tough defense is is you know winning that game by 14 is is I'd say a very impressive endeavor and then being able to slow down this Auburn team and and just make them kind of drag them into the mud with you is definitely definitely an accomplishment even if they you, you could and I think you could argue you if if you told me that Northwestern deserved to win that game I'd probably agree with you but it's one thing to keep these games close. It's another thing to win them. And the Big Ten is going to be full of these sorts of games. So I'm not I'm not buying a lot of Northwestern right now, but I am cautiously optimistic. I think we're already seeing that uh, Chris Collins is basically admitting he has no bench and they're playing basically eight guys. They only played seven during during the Auburn game. Uh, they did not. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe arguing that they should have won that game when they shot eight percent from three is is not my my best take in the world. But so if they, if they can they, get, some, they did hold they did hold Auburn to twenty six percent shooting from the field. So that that's a not felt there. Yeah, and I and I think also like with these games in these weird venues, like shooting is usually down across the board. So I think it's a good it's it's a an encouraging sign that their defense showed up. We'll have to see if they can consistently get you know, Bowie, Barry and, and Adige going uh, together at the same time enough in conference play. But it's it's hard to it's hard to see that trip down to Cancun as as not successful for for a Northwestern team that, you know, no one really knew what to think about heading into this season. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. But, you know, well, actually, as as we talked about, they've got some opportunities this week to continue to build on that. So we'll see how that goes. A, a couple of quick notes. Uh, before we talk about what, what's happening next week. So um, Iowa, um, that, another team that, you know, we were kind of questioning how they would um, bounce back from, you know, losing a top five draft pick. And, um, you know, th- they had a okay showing at, you know, in Emerald City, um, beat, beat Clemson in a close game. Um, that, that game, I think, was interesting because they – they kind of had to do it without an effective game from Chris Murray. He shot four of 17 from the field in that game. Really, really struggled. Um, he chipped in with 12 rebounds, though, and Patrick McCaffrey um, picked up the slack along with some other folks. So that was a great, I think, way to show that they could grind out a game, you know, when they weren't really executing on all cylinders. Um, and then they dropped. They dropped one to TCU after that. Um uh, you know, with TCU is a tough team as well, but all in all, you know, came out of that tournament, you know, still, I think with a lot of momentum there. So I think that's good for them. And then, you know, when you look at the top of the conference, um, teams really that weren't the focus this week, you know, Maryland and Indiana, both staying undefeated in, in their tune-ups, there's three teams left without a loss heading into the ACC challenge week. Um, I, you know, I don't know that we're surprised by Indiana being one of those. We already talked about Purdue, um, but, you know, kudos to Maryland for, you know, getting out of the gate. Well, we'll see how they fare when the competition heats up. Brett, any last thoughts on the results from this last week? No, I think I think we pretty much covered covered everything. I think overall, just as, as a holistic recap, very good week for the Big Ten. You know, good, good showing against a lot of you know, your, your name brand teams. Um, and it shows that these teams will, you know, come, come tournament play strong showings on back to back days or, or, you know, with, with one day of rest, uh, is, is really important. And it's, it's good to see all of these teams kind of, um, like standing up to the challenge when, when that applies. Awesome. So let's, let's shift gears and talk about, talk about what's to come this week. So the, 
ACC Big Ten Challenge takes place from Monday over the course of Monday through Wednesday. Um, and, and there are a lot of interesting matchups, I think, to watch in this. Um, we're, we're not going to hit on all of them, but, you know, we're, we're, we'll definitely hit on a couple. Um, maybe I'll, I'll start with the first few that I think pop out to me, Brett. I, I think, you know, we, we talked about this Northwestern team a second ago. They get Pitt coming to Evanston. Um, Pitt is, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but they are not very good. Um, this is yeah, a great opportunity for, for Northwestern to pick up a power five win to keep their momentum going. Um, so I think if you're looking for the kind of two appetizers there on Monday, I would definitely look at that game. We just talked about Maryland too, heading to Louisville um, on Tuesday. Louisville has not been very good either. Great opportunity to pick up a power five road win. Um, you'd expect Louisville will at least get things righted in the right direction by the end of the year. Not saying they're going to bounce back from their start and make the tournament, but uh, this I, I think is a really good opportunity um, for you know Maryland to prove they can at least win on the road. Um, and and then you know maybe I'll I'll finish off the appetizers here before we move to the main course. I'm looking at that Penn State Clemson game too. I mean. We, we keep talking about which team from the bottom here in the Big Ten is going to prove they can punch. And I think Penn State's really um, answered that bell the loudest of all those kind of teams from the bottom half of the conference. Again, a, a road opportunity to go into Clemson and, and win there. I'm, I'm looking to see how, how tough Penn State holds in that game. Yeah, I, it's, it's, a, it's a number of interesting matchups, I think, I think with – with Pitt and Northwestern, I mean, if Northwestern wants to prove that they belong even in the discussion of are they kind of good, they got to win this game. Pitt's, Pitt's terrible. And speaking of terrible, uh, Louisville, like, I, I understand I understand it's a big, big, you know, rebuild project for Kenny Payne, but they straight up just don't have guards. Uh, they've they've turned the ball over twice as many times as they've had an assist uh, on the season, if, the, if the, I believe um, if that's correct. Uh, and so Maryland should be able to really kind of impose their will defensively and and turn it into to some transition buckets. Um, like you said, I think it'll be interesting to see if if Penn State uh, will be able to continue their hot shooting start. Um, still top ten in the country in three point percentage. Uh, have not played a road game yet, a true road game. Um, so interested to see. What that what that holds? They should be able to get a decent amount of good looks against this Clemson team. So I think I think that is one that I will be watching for sure. And then you know I think as we as we move I think to the I, I don't know maybe more interesting game. So that that Syracuse Illinois game I think was one that that we probably had circled when we looked at this. Um, but Syracuse lost a bye game to remind me who that was. They're coming off oh, like Bryant. Yeah, they they lost who, who, not a, not a bad team, but Syracuse should win that game. Yeah, so I don't know, you know, uh, I mean, I don't with Illinois, I don't know that resume wins are going to be important for them. You know, they, should, but uh, I I think this game feels a little bit different after Syracuse put in that performance. I think um, you know Virginia going to Ann Arbor. We know Michigan struggled outside at the early of the year, and Virginia's kind of surprised some people, and you know they're going to go in there, I think, is like the number five ranked team. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see if Michigan can kind of turn it around and, you know, how they respond to that suffocating Virginia defense. 
on on Wednesday though we've got Ohio State at Duke, um, UNC at Indiana, Michigan State going to Notre Dame. Um, even like that Rutgers Miami game is interesting. I um, mean we didn't talk about Wake Forest and Wisconsin too. So Brett, I think of the main course here, what what are you looking at? Uh, so I guess starting starting with Tuesday, uh, Wake Forest, Wisconsin, just seeing how Wisconsin rebounds on kind of short rest coming back from from the Bahamas after three grueling close games. Um, it's a game they should win, but, um, you know, that weirder things have happened um, with with UVA and Michigan. I think, yeah, we're it's going to be very interesting to see see what the Michigan offensive game plan is against that pack line defense. Uh, it seems like a game that Jet Howard is going to need to make some make some shots from the outside to kind of keep that Virginia defense honest and from just packing it in on Hunter Dickinson. I'm interested to see if if Jawan's going to be able to scheme up some some ways for Dickinson to kind of get some easy buckets early um, to kind of maybe make that collapse happen and then kind of feed feed his shooters after the fact. Seems like seems like something Joey Baker might want to get involved in as well. Um, I think Ohio State Duke obviously is is kind of what's going to have. And, and UNC Indiana are what's going to have, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the viewing eyes of, of the public for the most part on Wednesday. So I think, I think with Ohio state and Duke, it's again, you, you're looking at a lot of young guys and, and new teammates playing together with Ohio state still. I think, I think this will probably be the last time you can use that argument, uh, in case they don't play well, but it's all about that moment not being too big for them. Uh, so, you know, a guy like Bryce Sensabaugh needs to continue his hot shooting. McNeil and, and likely kind of need to get involved more. Um, I'm not quite sure how they're going to defend Kyle Filipowski. Um, he's got a lot of size and and is a very effective shooter as well. Um, and then, you know, you're they've got you know, defending Wendell Moore is going to be really – or not Wendell Moore. Um, Duke, Duke's point guard uh, is going to be interesting because he's – He's just got a lot of uh, experience, and I think that there's going to be. Uh, I meant Jeremy Roach. That's that's on me. Um, so I think I think it's going to be very interesting to just kind of see how they react to that environment. Um, wouldn't expect them to win, but I would like to see a good showing. Just you know, kind of calm and and you know, not making making too many dumb mistakes. And then I think obviously we get Indiana being tested for the first time uh, with this UNC game, um, and so. I'm very interested to see how they handle, um, you know, Armando Baycott. Uh, he's obviously a, a hell of an interior player. Uh, kind of in the honestly, he he does remind me a lot of Trace Jackson Davis. So it's going to be fun watching those two go at it. Uh, and then you know you've got Pete Nance there, uh, the transfer from Northwestern, and I think that that is going to be, uh, you know, there's some familiarity there. They'll know his skill set. Um, so I think I think that's going to be interesting. And then again, it's just going to be: Are they going to be able to make shots? Um, they're shooting at a very high level from two point, and they're actually Indiana started making their threes. And so we'll see if that continues against better competition in in UNC. And so I think looking holistically, so I, the the reason why I think the Big Ten should win this as a whole is you know, we. We've hit on a lot of, I think, the more important games. And I think overall, you know, if those shake out 50-50, I think that the Big Ten has a decided advantage in a lot of the lesser important games that we didn't talk about. You know, Northwestern should beat Pitt. Maryland should beat Louisville. Um, you know, Iowa's got a very manageable game against Georgia Tech. Purdue's going 2-1-6 Florida State. 
Um, I, I think I, I think the Big Ten pulls this out as long as they don't get swept in kind of the premier matchups. And so we'll we'll see whether we're right about that when we come back to you guys next week. Um, heading into the weekend, though, um, we, we get a mix of sort of high profile non-conference games along with some conference games. Um, on Friday, Illinois goes to Maryland um, in the first conference game of the season. And this game, I think, is only notable because uh, Illinois lost there last year, believe it or not. Um, and so, again, we talked about opportunities for Maryland to prove they're for real. You, you get it right here um, in front of what's hopefully going to be an excited crowd in College Park. So I think everyone should watch out for that game. And then Indiana, a tough road test against Rutgers. Um, similar measuring stick for the Hoosiers to see if they can pick up that first conference road win. Um, and, you know, see if that Rutgers defense can slow them down um, and see if they can kind of stop Cliff O'Marudi. He has really put up a statistically strong season to start the year. I think he's the only player other than E.D. currently averaging a double-double in conference, um, and he's shooting over 50% from the field. So um, I'm excited to see him match up against Trace Jackson Davis. That should be super exciting matchup of big guys. Wisconsin takes on Marquette, too. Um, so I think that's a, a low key under the radar game where uh, Wisconsin has another opportunity to pick up a, a resume building win. We got Michigan playing that game against Kentucky in London. Um, it's a really tough week for for Michigan against two of the top teams. Um, you know, pending the outcome of the Virginia game, I think it's important for them to at least get one of these a for the resume, but also just for their confidence. Um, and then we've got two. Conference games on Sunday, too. Minnesota taking on Purdue, Northwestern taking on Michigan State. I mean, I, I think, Brett, before we sign off here, any any final thoughts on those weekend games? Uh, maybe one or two things that stand out. Yeah, I think for uh, the Illinois-Maryland, Illinois, Illinois Maryland, I'm intrigued to see how Maryland tries to defend uh, Dane Danger uh, coming off the bench bigger than most of their rotation guys. Uh, and then I'm also excited to watch what I assume will be Dante Scott going up against against Meyer and Shannon. I think that's just going to be a really interesting uh, perimeter perimeter matchup. Um, so I, th- I think and, you know, we'll see kind of, you know, it's it's Kevin Willard's first Big Ten game. We'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a, a good one. Um, Rutgers did just get Caleb, Caleb McConnell back uh, for their game against Central Connecticut. So he obviously adds a different dimension defensively and adds an, another potential scoring threat offensively. So I don't I don't know if that's going to be enough for them to take out Indiana. But, you know, it's always hard to win at the rack. And uh, I think I think this this season will be no exception. Wisconsin Marquette in-state rivalry. Uh, these teams don't like each other. It's going to be fun. Um, Marquette's been pretty impressive so far, and this is going to be. And, you know, another another uh, uh you know non non buy game for Wisconsin, so that'll be that'll be five in in you know it uh cl- probably close games. So I think it'll be seeing how they react uh and hopefully not get ground down. Uh, I agree with you on the, on Michigan for just kind of it would be really really helpful for them to get one of the, one, at least one of these these two games. Um, but I that can they're gonna they're gonna need to be able to put up points consistently to to kind of match up. Um. With with Kentucky scoring threats, although I am very very excited to watch uh, Shibway and, and Dickinson go at it, and then Northwestern has an opportunity against Michigan State, I think, if especially if uh, Jaden Akins isn't back, um, and and their guards can keep playing well, I think uh, it'll it, it could just could be just like last year. Yeah, I was gonna say an opportunity to 
go on a two-game winning streak in East Lansing, which uh, most teams in the conference cannot say they have. So, uh, but as we've learned, you know, anything's possible. All right, with that, we'll we'll sign off with you guys for now. Uh, a lot going on across the conference. We'll be with you here in another week here to recap everything and um, talk you through what to expect um, in in the coming weeks. So, thanks as always for listening, um, and we will sign off from here. Take care, everybody.